I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. The roller coaster continues. The Oilers beat the Florida Panthers, and we are back to believing this is a Stanley Cup contender. That's the way this regular season's going to go. Let's get into the win on Saturday and everything else Oilers with the lead. It was a 4-2 victory for the Edmonton Oilers and a rather impressive one on a few different levels. Regardless, they won and on a very tough road trip, one of the toughest road trips you can go through in the NHL with stops in Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. The Oilers walk out of it with four of eight points and all in all, it's kind of like, eh, meh. How can you complain about that? The tough part is that the wins were really impressive. Being able to wrap up that trip by beating Florida, fantastic. That win against Tampa, we might look back on that as one of the most impressive victories of the entire season. But the losses were just so damn ugly. The fact that he somehow lost to Washington to kick things off, terrible. The fact that they couldn't beat Carolina when Carolina was on the second of back-to-backs playing their third-string goalie, yikes. But those two wins were big. So I want to know, let me know in the YouTube chat, what letter grade are you giving this Oilers road trip? That is the big question today on Oilers Nation every day. As always, coming to you live from the Sports Closet studio, sportscloset.ca, three locations in the Edmonton area, St. Albert Mall, Sherwood Park Mall, and Kingsway Mall. Drop your letter grade for the road trip in the chat, and uh, we'll get your take on it. Live on the Nation Network YouTube. That's where our chat line exists. That's where you can have your take. Let's bring in my boy, Liam. Liam, I'm giving them a B minus. I think anything in the C range is too tough because, again, really, really difficult road trip. Anything more than a B, like a B feels like I'm giving them too much credit because they did lay two eggs. So B minus. Passing grade, B minus. It's... 
it's, it's so difficult to give them any kind of like what a road trip like just so many ups and downs like the I positives know. obviously skinner um warren fogel doing really well tyson berry contributing offensively you look at the negatives the penalty kill was horrendous at the start of the week and then you also lose terribly to carolina and washington and of course jack campbell yeah i think b minus maybe a c plus somewhere in that range is just somewhere right in the middle because there was too much that went wrong but also too much good for them and you know you go two and two it's not bad at all it's a you're right it's a weird one to kind of put your finger on right now in the mm. pacific division the oilers sit fourth they are four points clear the calgary flames granted the flames have two games in hand they're a point back of seattle same amount of games played they are three points back of la with one less game played and then they are already eight points back of the vegas golden knights but while we may sit here at what is essentially the one month mark of the nhl season more or less and the oilers are not in one of those big Pacific Division playoff spots. They're fighting for a wild card spot right now. A week from now, if this week coming up, if the Oilers show up and play well, things look vastly different. At that point, you would maybe only be anywhere from four to six points back of the Vegas Golden Knights. You could be ahead of the LA Kings by the end of this week. A lot can change here in the next seven days. This is a big, big week on tap for the Oilers and one that will really define the first half of their season. Yeah, definitely. And I think a big thing for the Oilers right now is they haven't played their division very often. What if they played Vancouver once, Calgary twice, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they haven't played LA, they haven't played Vegas. There's still a lot, of, a lot of season to go, of course. I think those Vegas games are obviously going to be big for the division. They, they're looking back like they're a serious contender now, too, after a difficult season last season. Like, but they, you look at Vegas's goaltending, like, is it going to, it's kind of like Jack Campbell, but the opposite, right? Like, is it going to be like this all season? probably not is a fair way to put it um but yeah like this next this next stretch of games we said it on the oilers nation radio too i think is is kind of a big statement for the oilers to see what they can actually do against really good nhl teams yeah i do think there are some things we saw on this road trip that are concerning we have the scoring leaders from those four games by the oilers and as you'll see it's basically the top power play unit that did most of the production. Now, there were some nice moments of depth scoring. Warren Fogle had a couple of huge goals in both of the victories. You need things like that. The fourth line was on the ice for Tyson Berry's first goal of the game against the Panthers as well. Those were encouraging, but I do still think they need more from the depth of this team. Uh, I asked you for your letter grades over on our uh, YouTube chat. Rusty's going with a B. Vince is going with a B minus. Luke says, I'll take the two and two for sure. He went with a B. Jamel, B, PA James, B minus. Seems like everyone, 587 legend is B minus because we lost Kane. And and that's something I didn't even really, uh, I, I didn't think about in giving my grade is when you went out on this trip, you had a Vander Kane and now you're sitting here for what? I, we know it's going to be at least three to four months. It could potentially be longer where you're not going to have this guy. So Again, the depth of this team is going to have to keep stepping up, but I will say I, I think a guy like Warren Fogle did himself a lot of favors with this road trip. He was really good against Tampa Bay, blocked a big shot at the end. He obviously scored the shorthanded goal. He was really good against Florida as well. He laid a couple of big checks. He obviously had the big goal. He's gonna. He's probably going to start on Wednesday in the top six. That should probably mean Dylan Holloway goes down to Bakersfield. Because, again, you're you're just going to be stuck in the rut of Dylan Holloway playing six minutes a game again, and I don't understand how that makes sense. Unless you're going to try him on the third line and give him meaningful minutes there, but I'm not sure if they'll even do that. But Warren Fogle, in my opinion, 
he's overtaken the second line spot. Wednesday night against LA should be Fogel, Dreisaitl, whoever you need to roll on the right side, Zach Hyman. Um, so I think they'll change that up. One huge positive from this road trip, touched on a negative of losing a guy like Evander Kane. I think Stuart Skinner solidified himself as the man. Look at this performance against the Florida Panthers. 40 of 42, 952 save percentage, gets the win. The third round pick from back in 2017 is having one of the best seasons in the entire NHL. Amongst goalies with at least five plus appearances this season, he's sixth in save percentage. He's right up there with guys like Ottinger and Sorokin and other high-end young goalies in the NHL. He was unbelievable against Florida. They don't win that game if it's not for Stuart Skinner. And while maybe you could look at his record so far this season and be like, ah, you know, he, he's kind of been a 500 goalie. He's Well, he is. He's three and three. Man, you go through those wins, and he's stolen the games where he started. Against St. Louis, he stopped 37 of 38. Against Calgary, he stopped 40 of 42. Liam pointed out before the show an identical stat line in that Calgary game to this Florida one as well. He was great against Florida. The games he's winning, he is absolutely stealing for this team. And I mentioned the Pacific Division standings. Edmonton does not have 18 points in 16 games if it's not for Stuart Skinner. So I think you go with him on Wednesday against the LA Kings. And if it goes well, you probably don't have any choice but to roll with him again on Saturday against Vegas. Liam, is it crazy to think that Stuart Skinner could get both Wednesday and Saturday this week? No, it shouldn't be crazy to think. I've Right now, like we talk about how Jack Campbell's playing and when should he start next. I don't think Jack Campbell's performances should dictate when he should start next. It should be based off when Stuart Skinner deserves a break because right now this is his crease and he's the goalie that deserves to play these big games for the Oilers and the next two are yeah. big games for them that they need to win at home against LA and Vegas. And how, like, look at that, 40 saves against a very offensive team in Florida with 20 of them coming in the first period. Like, he, yeah. he's the reason the Oilers won that game, to be honest. If it wasn't for him, who knows what would have happened after that first period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did. Like, <laughs> they got outshot in every game on this road trip, and that's maybe a reason why the grade should be more in that C-plus range, like you said, Liam, because, I mean, in every single one, of, or in both those wins, they needed their goalies to be good. Even in the game against Washington, like, they lost 5-4, but I actually thought Skinner was good in that game. The penalty kill was just mm -hmm. awful. That was the reason they lost the, the trip opener against the Capitals. But again, a big week of hockey here. And I think if you're an Oilers fan, you got to be somewhat optimistic about them heading into this week just because they, they survived. And that's the big thing. I didn't expect them to thrive on this road trip. If they would have gone 3-1 and one or 4-0 or whatever, that would have been great. But you just you can't complain about two and two is is kind of the bottom line here. Looking back on this trip, we spoke about it on uh, on Saturday too for the pregame show. Like this team finds a way to rebound really well, like no matter what. Like that Washington game, like the penalty kill, like we said, wasn't great. Then they bounce back against Tampa Bay and have a really good game. As a whole team, and the penalty kill was much better. Then you play Carolina and you stink. And then you bounce back against Florida and have a really good game. Like They're just a bit of a yo-yo team right now. I think you've just got to play off momentum with the way things go. I actually thought Clem Costin was a pretty good uh, bright spot for the team too on, on Saturday. It. Yeah, I think he brings a, a, a different element. He looked like an NHL player for 
you know, for a guy that's only played 40 or so games. Like, I thought that was very positive for the team. Like you mentioned, Fogel. Van de Kane losing him isn't great. I know Jason Greger gave an update on Yamamoto before too, and it doesn't look like he's going to play on Wednesday. I believe he said maybe Saturday he could be back. So I think it's a chance for the Oilers' depth to kind of keep riding as well. But like I said, momentum is a big thing for this team at the moment, and they they got to find a way to keep riding it these next two games. I want to bring everyone's attention to something that happened today on the DFO Rundown. Former Oilers goalie Devin Dubnik joined Jason Greger and Frank Saravalli, and he was asked, "Who was the worst goal, or who is the worst teammate for firing pucks up high during warmups?" And his answer is hilarious. Here, take a listen. <laughs> Neil Yakupov. Well, Frank and I joked about this earlier. So, who was the worst teammate you had for uh, high heaters in practice? Oh, Neil Yakupov. This guy was an idiot. Like complete idiot. I, I had to I tried to explain to him. So we're doing we were doing like a low drive from the corner and he's zipping these things past my ear because he's trying to hit the elbow. And I'm and I try to explain to him, I'm like, you realize there, there's three outcomes here, okay? You you hit the post. Sorry, you, you miss the net you score or you hit me in the ear. And I'm like, I hate all three of those. So if you want to practice this shot, go do it at the other end. <laughs> Did he ever get it? Did he? Well, obviously not. <laughs> he's, I don't know, he's nowhere to be found. So I don't think he hit that elbow too often. <laughs> uh, well, Frank and I joked about uh, this earlier. That so is, who was uh, the worst teammate? <laughs> He's an idiot. He's a complete idiot. Electronic Jordan says, poor Yak in the chat. And yeah, I mean, I guess. I just thought that was, I mean, a very open answer from Doobie. Liam, you're muted. I was muted. Oh, there you go. Unbelievable. Uh, Never mind. (laughs) I was just saying, Yakupov, what a guy. Character. Uh, yeah, TC in the chat says Yak seems like he'd sell after going upstairs in warm-ups. I think that was kind of the point Dubnik was making, but uh, it was a really good interview with Dubnik. He talked about how the, his last off-season in Edmonton, all he had, all, he was just basically sitting there listening to the media and all the reports being like, the Oilers need a goalie, the Oilers are looking for a goalie, the Oilers are shopping for any goalie on the market. And he talked about, he talked about how it kind of messed with his confidence a little bit. And he described that next season, the one where the Oilers eventually traded him during the year. And he spent some time in like Nashville and Arizona and all that. And Montreal for a bit, wherever he was, he bounced around to like a hundred places. He talked about, it was just the longest season ever. And by the end of it, he was skating as a black ace for Montreal during that playoff run. And he eventually was just like, yeah, I can't do it anymore. Like, like I'm done. And he went home after skating with the Black Aces for a bit and then magically turned his career around. And he talked about the whole journey. So if you have a second or if you have an hour today, I should say, go listen to uh, his interview with Jason and Frank on the DFO Rundown. You can find that one wherever you get your podcast from. Good time to uh, plug that you can find this show wherever you get your podcast from as well. If you ever miss it live, if you're ever mm-hmm. driving, can't watch the video, we're available as a podcast, Oilers Nation, every day on Apple and Spotify. Rusty says, we need to calm down on running guys out of town. Let's support the boys. 
Yeah, I mean, that was certainly, like, the Decade of Darkness was just full of that, though, right? Like, especially by that era where it had already been kind of five years of sucking, and it was starting to look like the first rebuild wasn't going to work, and it didn't work. It was a lot of running guys out of town because just the fan base had lost patience. Everyone had lost patience. I think the organization lost patience. Look at a guy like Justin Schultz, right? Comes in here. They start hyping him up as the savior because they need to turn things around in a hurry. And when he's not Eric Carlson in his second year in the NHL, I, I think it's less of a thing now. And I know, Flute, you're saying it's still a thing, unfortunately. To an extent, I think it is. And you compare it to the Campbell situation. I get it. Right now, it's a little bit different because they are actively trying to win a Stanley Cup and results matter like that much more. But I, I do think Rusty makes a good point. Like, we, we maybe look at things under a microscope too much when we're here every day talking about the same team. Pugliarvi, maybe a decent example of that as well, I guess, yeah? Yeah, I I don't think this team's in that spot as much anymore with trying to get guys out of here. And I think the frustration, like you said, just the team was going absolutely nowhere. We had all this promise, and then everything just went wrong every time we tried to do something. And then, yeah, like the Justin Schultz thing, I remember when they – officially signed him in millennium place in Sherwood park i was there that day that was a big one so it just yeah they're not doing training camps there anymore so it's uh it's just a different vibe from this team now and it's i think it's all positive and yeah we talk about campbell but also campbell hasn't been good this season and i think criticism is fair as well we're not running them out of town to just want to see better performances i guess is a good way to put it Dr. Gonzo, looking back at that 2012 draft, woof. We should maybe link in the description of this one later. I did like a redraft piece on our YouTube two months ago, looking back at that draft to kind of what's a basically the 10-year mark of it. Yak, Murray, Galchenyuk, Reinhardt, Morgan Riley was your top five. Like only one of them panned out. Ryan Murray might one day hit like the five-year mark of his career or hit the 500 game mark in his career if he bounces around a few more times. But that 2012 draft is ugly. Slater Cuckoo went 10th overall. The Oilers have had a bunch of these guys, but like good players really didn't start popping up in that draft. I guess Hampus Lindholm at six was good. Morgan Riley was fine. There was that run of demon. Matt Dumbo was in there as well. The best player out of that draft is Andre Vasilevsky, who went 19th. And he's probably going to be the only guy who even gets close to being like a Hall of Fame level player from that 2012 draft. No one else is even going to come near it, I don't think. Devin Shaw, 61st Anyways. overall. Yeah, they, you're right. There's another uh, former. Jujar Kara <laughs> went 63rd that year. The Oilers, you know, they, they bounced back from that Yakupov pick, did they? Nah, not really. Mitch Moraz in the <laughs> second round. Eh, that was an ugly era where they were just plucking any oil king they could and then they probably stopped doing that as the wrong time as the oil kings have now actually started to spit out some good prospects but anyways we're getting a little bit off topic here we have a guest today on the show very excited from tsn 1260 and the jason greger show to welcome in connor halley who's sitting at the radio station right now connor how's it going man hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, going good, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. And if you want to talk about those old Oil Kings teams, that's right in my wheelhouse. I got a chance to watch a lot of those games. So Mitch Miraz, man, that guy was fun to watch for a couple of years here in Edmonton. Too bad it didn't work out. Man, isn't it insane to look back at those Oil Kings teams and be like, they were dominant for like, what, three or four years in the dub. And Jari, maybe Brassois, Lazar's had like an okay career as a bottom yeah. six guy. But aside from Jari, they basically produced no superstars. It's crazy. No, no superstars. Uh, yeah, Lazar, Jari, uh, I mean, Laurent Brassois was there for the first run to the Memorial Cup. Uh, Dyson Mayo was a young kid at the time playing on the team that won, yeah. I believe. So that was kind of it. Yeah, and uh, Ashton Sautner's kind of bounced around. I, yeah. Brandon Baddock, who was there. But yeah, uh, pretty crazy to think that no one really made that leap and, you know, got to NHL stardom. Uh, Luke in the chat says you look like Stuart Skinner with that mustache. My <laughs> argument is you have the second best mustache on the show, Connor. Come on. That's when, when you zoom in close enough, uh, it looks good. I'm actually being benefited <laughs> by the lighting here. Uh, it is really bad. I was like shuffling around this studio to find a good spot. And this is the best I could do. But it does make the stash look pretty, uh, pretty dark today. When you zoom in close enough. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk some Oilers, Connor. That road trip, it was an absolute roller coaster. Terrible against Washington, great against Tampa, terrible against the Hurricanes, really good against Florida. What letter grade would you yeah. give the Oilers on that four-game trip? Uh, Tyler, I, I was talking uh, on our pregame show and like with Gregor and Stretti about, you know, what would be a successful road trip for the Oilers going on this one? And the consensus was, you know, two and two wouldn't be that bad. All things considered, like you're going up against some really good competition, heading out east on the road, lots of games and a kind of a compacted schedule. So I'll, I'll give them a B minus. I think that, you know, the good was good and the bad was pretty bad at times. Uh, almost a microcosm of the whole season, really. Like we've seen the ups, the downs, there's been adversity I, I think when you factor in you know you lose two of your top six top nine wingers on that road trip uh, and then have that gutsy win on Saturday a little bit of positive to be taken from it I mean it, it almost leaves you now with more questions than answers because you got to figure out that top six top nine going forward here with the loss of a couple key players but overall hey t take those four points and, and be happy with it because it could have been a lot worse I think yeah, and that's fair. Uh, Jason Greger tweeted out, you mentioned the Oilers lose two of their top nine wingers. Kyler Yamamoto, Greger says, is more day-to-day -day than long-term. Unlikely to play Wednesday. Might be ready for Saturday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. It's a big, big week for this Oilers team. Two divisional games in the matter of a few days. If you were in charge of the goaltending, how would you handle this? Would it be Skinner Wednesday, Skinner Saturday, no matter what? Are you giving Campbell another look? Is it based on what happens Wednesday night? How would you, how would you go about this thing? 
I think for me, I mean, it's Stuart Skinner on Wednesday, no matter what. So you said it, two big divisional games, uh, teams that are ahead of you in the standings. Uh, you you can't afford to try to get a guy back on track. You have to go with a better goaltender, and that's Stuart Skinner. He's been great. I, I, you know, the stats are one thing, but I think in those games when it's one goal, you know, up or down, he looks composed, like he's ready to go. So for me, I take Stuart Skinner on Wednesday for sure against the Kings, and then go from there. Uh, if it goes well, I've got no problem going back to him. There's enough time in between and if it's a shaky performance then you know you have that kind of built-in excuse to go back to Campbell so I think no matter what Stewart's gonna get to start on Wednesday and then you go from there but absolutely no problem sticking with the kid because he's playing some good hockey right now you mentioned he looks confident and obviously we know like Jack Campbell doesn't my big thing would just be like yeah I want to put him in the best spot to succeed the next time he gets a start and I would worry about primetime hockey night in Canada divisional game against Vegas on home ice like I'd worry that almost rattle him a little bit. I think you maybe do have to save him for next week in the road trip when it's just out on the East Coast. Maybe you'd feel a little bit less pressure in that situation, but I guess eventually you got to give him a start. I, I don't envy Jay Woodcroft in the situation he's in with that one because it, it's a mess right now. Yeah, I mean, in, in a perfect world, Stuart Skinner goes out there as a great game against the Kings, and the decision's simple, right? I also yeah. wonder, though, like you say, I mean, just for his psyche, does he get up for a game like that? You know, you find out a lot about a goalie, you know, on the big stage against a team that's playing very well. Like you say, Hockey Night in Canada, everybody's watching. Is that something he gets up for? Because... At some point, he's going to have to get back there. You know, I, I think at the end of the year, he is going to be the guy for this team when the playoffs roll around. So he, he's got to find that level, get to it. And, and maybe Saturday night's a good opportunity for him. But I stand by what I said. If Stuart Skinner plays good for you on Wednesday, easy decision. And yeah, it's, it's probably not the best thing that, uh, you know, Coach Woodcroft would have hoped for. But there's worse situations, right? Like a good goaltending battle. I, I think that's okay. Second line with Leon Drysaddle. I think you're probably leaving McDavid, Nuge, and Pugliarvi together. They seem to be creating okay, even if the pucks aren't going in for them. Drysaddle and Hyman, Kate, that's your duo. But who would you have on the left side there Wednesday? Like I, I like Holloway. I think Holloway has potential. I'd love to see him get some rope, but you also can't ignore the bad mistakes. Fogel scored a goal on Wednesday, or sorry, over the weekend, so maybe he's back in that spot. What would you do there? Yeah, I mean, it's between those two, right? Dylan Holloway, uh, you, you kind of just look at his game logs here, and uh, only on three occasions has he played more than 10 minutes this season so far, and uh, the game on Thursday night, that dash three does stand out. But there is the upside, right? And I, I think that you can kind of give that a chance. Uh, Warren Fogle is the only other option for me. It seems like since he was given a chance on the PK and scores that shorty, the confidence is all of a sudden back, and pretty crazy to think. You know, there was people on our shows in the last couple of weeks, you got to trade him, get rid of Fogel. And, and now he's kind of found his way back into their hearts. So I, I think it's between those two. Um, I, I lean to Dylan Holloway and giving him that other opportunity. And then, you know, you have Fogel on that third line where he can help out. He and McLeod, it looks like they found some chemistry. So I lean to, to Dylan Holloway. I'd like to see him get another shot because we know the, ta the talent that he has, the potential. He's just got to figure it out. And in my opinion, if he's just going to be a guy who plays – you know, six to eight minutes here. Why is he here? You know, he could go down to Bakersfield, play in a top line, pay power play, uh, play heavy minutes against the other team's top competition. And I think that would be better for his development. So, you know, in my opinion, give him a chance or why have him here? 
Yeah, and and I touched on that earlier in the show. Like, if, if you're just going to keep rolling them out there for six minutes and not play them with skilled guys, have them out there with Devin Shore and Derek Ryan, like, that, you're not doing anything for a 14 or 15th overall pick, whatever he – or, sorry, he was a little bit later than that. But he's a first-round pick, and you're not doing anything to help his development. Uh, Wednesday night, the Oilers are also going to be rocking their reverse retros for the first time. So we'll wrap up with this. What's your letter grade for the reverse retros? Uh, D. I really don't like them. Uh, Tyler – I grew up a fan of the that look, you know, the Todd McFarlane jersey. When I was a kid, I had to have it. So I, I do have one of those older jerseys. I thought it would have been just fine if they went back to that one. Adding the orange, it's tough. Uh, we, we saw those a little while ago, and I just thought, this, there's no way they're going to roll out with these jerseys. They're terrible. They have grown on me a little bit. Like, had you asked me a month ago, I probably would have said F. So... I want to hold back and see what they look like when they actually get on the ice, you know, with the pants, the socks, the helmet, the gloves, how the whole look ties together. But, uh, yeah, I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of the look so far. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you. I'm in like the, I'd give them like a C. Maybe we, maybe you're right with the socks, the lights, all that on the ice. Yeah, we're going to see how it looks. But you're bang on. Like the orange was just, it was a little bit uh, unnecessary. Rusty gives them a B though. He says it might change when I see them on the ice, but they're all right. And I think uh, everyone kind of agrees with that. Connor, appreciate the time, man. Look forward to uh, chatting with you a little bit more throughout the season. Man, anytime, Tyler. Thanks a lot. All right, there you go. Let's get to the wrap for today's show. Big shout out to Connor Halley for hopping on the show today. You can find him on Twitter at Connor Halley, two N's, two L's. He's always tweeting out clips and stuff during Oilers games. A very good follow. Also, if you're watching on our YouTube right now, do me a solid hammer that like button as well. We're at 15 likes right now. If you can get us up to like 30, then I'll give you my locks of the day for betting. Not that I had a very good weekend by any stretch of the imagination, but speaking of that, Liam... Let's get to our Betway bets for this evening in the NHL. What do you got for us? Tonight, so what is it? Four games in the NHL, I think it said. And we're going to go with the Stanley Cup champions for our first one. Colorado to win and Nathan, Nathan McKinnon to score two or more points. He is probably the hottest player in the NHL right now. I think he said he had like 14 points in however many games recently like he's four games in a row with multi-point games so that's the start i'm gonna look at there so we'll go with him st louis hasn't been great actually since the oilers beat them and since uh yeah so we'll go right in with that and i actually clicked on the wrong one it's the kevin fiala over is what we're going ah. with so ignore that one it was kevin fiala over plus 105 he said it in like four straight games with his shot prop so We'll ride that one tonight. They're up in Calgary and then obviously in Edmonton on Wednesday. You got anything you like to? Like, let me guess. Martin Nakash shot prop. <laughs> yes. You know it. Marty Natchez over two and a half shots. Trevor Moore over two and a half shots. Love both those plays over on Betway. And also Sebastian Ajo plus 110 to pick up an assist tonight. I think Carolina. We saw him score seven on the Oilers last week. They're playing the Blackhawks this uh, tonight. I think they'll score. I think Aho at plus money to get an apple is a great spot as well. Uh, wrapping things up, let's dig into the chat a little bit here. Curtum says, hopefully Fogel plays consistent like he's played the last three or four games. Even if he doesn't score goals, at least throw your body more, play with desperation on the puck battles. And I'm with you 100% with Fogel. I've always said, like, he doesn't, the Oilers do not need Warren Fogel to be a 20-goal guy. Warren Fogel doesn't need to be a 20-goal guy to be worth his contract. 
I think certain players in that price range, Pugliarvi, Yamamoto, just because of the opportunities they get and the skill they have, yeah, those guys need to get you 20 goals a season to be worth that $3 million price tag. If Fogel gets you 12 or 13 goals a year, 14 like he did last year, maybe 14 is the minimum. But if he plays hard, forechecks like a demon, hits a lot, kills penalties for you, he's a fine bottom six player at that price tag. He, the scoring is secondary. You're right. It's effort stuff sometimes that you just don't maybe always see with Fogel. We certainly saw it on that road trip, though. Uh, Vince says, A, he loves the Oilers reverse retros. Smart Cowboy gave him a D. Um, someone was talking about we need to trade Devin Shore. I I mean, well, like, you can't. Like, no one would want him. Um, also, like, he's fine as a bottom six guy. Remember, he makes, like, 850K, like, basically league minimum. What more? Like, again, you can slide him in out of your lineup. I, I don't think Devin Shore, he could maybe be healthy scratched for a game. Sure. I thought he didn't have a very good game against Carolina. That probably could have translated to someone else in the lineup, but they don't have a lot of healthy bodies right now. Kirby asks if Tyler Benson's healthy. He's not, but he's getting there. They're working him back. And he's a guy who I think they'll give a nice look to once he is healthy as well. Curtin says those jerseys look pathetic, too much orange. I think it is just a little bit too much orange, but I'll I'll wait till I see him on the ice before I really go out of my way to uh to start ripping them as well. We're gonna see that on Wednesday. Oilers Kings, Oilers in their reverse retros. I don't know if you saw the LA Kings wore their reverse retros the other night, and they were beautiful. The white, purple, yellow with that crown, so sick. So sick. All right, we're gonna move and uh, wrap up this show here today. Thanks for tuning in. A Monday edition of Oilers Nation Every Day. As always, coming to you live from the Sports Closet Studio. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, noon mountain, for another 30, 45 minutes of Oilers talk. Then Wednesday, it'll be a short forward giant game day edition of the show. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your Monday night, and we'll talk tomorrow.